0: Hey, wine and real estate listeners! It's Jason Lowe from episode number one two nine at Ascendant Financial, IVCForMe.com. We specialize in teaching real estate investors all across Canada the process of becoming your own banker, the infinite banking concept. Do you also find it frustrating when it becomes difficult to access the financing that you need, or when interest rates in the housing market moves against you, and when there's unexpected prolonged vacancy or expensive repairs? Are you tired of transferring all that money away from you? We have the solution at IBCForMe.com. By becoming your own banker, anything that you're already doing financially, including real estate investing, is radically improved. Whether utilizing this process for down payments or for entire real estate purchases, becoming your own banker, the infinite banking concept, puts you in a position of total and absolute control over the repayment schedule of your loans while enhancing your overall returns. So whether you're a new real estate investor or a seasoned real estate investor, we believe that ready access to money to take advantage of high caliber opportunities and all the financial control should be in your hands, not the banks and not some loan officer. We have an exclusive and irresistible package for wine and real estate podcast listeners. And so if you want the best way to build and deploy capital, easier access to money, better returns, less headaches. Head on over to ibcforme.com. That's ibcforme.com.
1: Hello, everyone. So welcome, Ali. I'm really excited to have a conversation with you and hear about your story as a real estate investor. And just before coming on air, I I found out that you're into sustainable design, which I love. It's a passion of mine. I don't talk about it often, but this is gonna be great. I can drill you with questions and. Anyway, welcome. If you could uh, give our listeners a bit of a a background because you have an interesting background and how did you get into real estate investing and all that fun stuff?
2: Thank you, Francois. And thanks for inviting me to the show. It's a great show. I listen to it, uh, you know, when I'm listening to podcasts. So that's one of my favorite ones. And uh, yeah, definitely uh, honored to be here. Yeah, like I said, my name is Ali Nazarian. Uh, I'm an engineer by trade, uh, so I've uh, worked in uh, engineering and project management for uh, I think it's like just over 13 years now. And uh, like a lot of other people, trying to build, you know, real estate business on the side and slowly making it uh, my my full time uh, job. Uh, and uh, yeah, getting into real estate, I kind of grew up around real estate. Uh, My parents had a rental, so I kind of uh, was always involved in, with their stories, you know, with tenants, (laughs) 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 and uh, so I kind of grew up and I saw the power of real estate uh, and investing in real estate as well, growing up as uh, like a retirement plan Uh, and with development, uh, that was a bit of a self journey to like figure out why am I so interested in developments in. Home, but I realized that it's probably because uh, my parents built their family home when, when I was a kid. And oh wow. probably as a kid that was like the most exciting thing seeing the house being built. Yeah so it probably stuck in my head and <laughs> kind of stayed with me. Um, and so it was always uh, you know something the back of my head that I want to build houses and, uh, and whatnot. Uh, but you know you always have to uh, create that opportunity and kind of wait for the right time.
1: Yeah, no, that's it. And right now, I mean, it's a a bit of a weird time as we're recording this podcast. The economy is kind of up and down, like some stuff is through the roof, doing super well, some other things are not doing so well. Um, There's lots of challenges, but every generation has its challenges. So my parents keep reminding me about the late 70s, early 80s, when interest was at 24 percent, I think they were paying like putting a house on a credit card. They had three mortgages in Toronto. Uh, that's around the time before I was born. And then when I was a kid, they paid off their house at 24% interest. Wow. <laughs> so opportunities are there. And if you're creative, that's why I like what you do with land development yeah. is finding ways of creating efficiencies and creating the opportunity. Because exactly. a lot of people f- feel like, oh, there's nothing available. Well, yes just put your mind to it and create the opportunity. So I think that's what you're doing. If you could tell us more, maybe about some recent projects or an example you have.
2: Absolutely. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, it's, it's definitely interesting times right now, Uh, (laughs) high interest rates, you know, high inflation material costs. And it was such a drastic change, you know, the beginning of COVID or early in the COVID Like everything seemed cheap, Uh, you know, money was coming cheap, and gas was like
1: fifty-nine cents. I have a picture of it. (laughs) Exactly.
2: Yeah. So um, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like finding creative ways to create opportunities. That's definitely the way it is, and that's one of the reasons uh, I kind of explored different uh, strategies in uh, in real estate investing. And maybe a little bit of background on that. Like beginning of COVID. like many other people, I got laid off and I had a lot of time on my hand. Oh, no. That's well, an opportunity. <laughs> exactly. And it was a continuation from the previous time in 2015. I was living in Alberta when I got laid off and I was like looking at. Yes. Buildings. That's how I, that was actually the time I started looking into development and building houses. Edmonton was really promoting infill developments. Uh, I would say I got my first education from city of Edmonton. The material they were putting out. I like encouraging people to do infill in- development, wow. but this time around, I was like, "This is it." Like you know, you can't leave your you know uh, your future and your financial in the hands of luck and economy. No. So, gotta take action and do what I've been thinking to do. So, exploring uh, you know different strategies and options, uh, I felt that land development was something that I was interested, but it was it seemed also like there's a lot of opportunities. The, and less competition, honestly, at that time. Like
1: two yeah, years. it's not as crowded. Even now, it's getting more, it's getting busier, yeah. but not quite as bad as just buying a multifamily. Or... Absolutely, yeah.
2: So I'm always, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, for those who have read the, the book uh, Blue Ocean, as uh, kind of, uh, you know, the red ocean where, you know, there's lots of blood, definitely harder <laughs> to start there than, uh, you know, creating your uh, or finding a blue ocean. And for me, development seemed like uh, you know a little bit more, more blue ocean. Can't say it was all blue, but <laughs> all sure. <it> bluer <laughs> than, uh, than you know other strategies like multifamily. And it was where my my interest was uh, lying as well. And as an engineer, like you know building things and creating, yeah, things, always been attractive for me. And I guess that's why I became an engineer. Um, so. Exploring these options, I found that is more in line with my personal goals and my interests and my background. And I think that's a really important piece. And I'm glad I did that exercise in the beginning. I can't remember where in what podcast or what book I read this, but it was sit down and think about what you like, what your background is, what your strengths are, what your competitive advantage is and see what that aligns. Don't just follow like the crowd because everybody's family do multifamily. So that's where I found that land development is uh, really what uh, interests me. And um, started with the smaller stuff, you know, severance that uh, is still ongoing in the uh, Niagara area. Uh, yeah, they had big
1: lots there, like bungalows with huge land. Exactly. And-
2: yeah, so this one is like a corner lot that has a larger uh, backyard and we're trying to sever it off, keep the existing house and uh, get permits for a new house, a single family on the, uh, on the backyard now, oh, wow. which be a new lot. Uh, from there, uh, basically looked at other opportunities in land development like land assembly um, or rezoning and uh, densification. Um, right now, the two major projects I'm, I'm working on, there's one in St. John's, Newfoundland. Uh, oh, wow. John, got it wrong. <laughs> St. John, New Brunswick.
1: Oh, okay. I was going to say Newfoundland.
2: Like I, a, I, I used to live in St. John's, Newfoundland, and I bought a ticket mistakenly from St. John, New Brunswick. Oh, no. Two years ago, uh-huh. Showed up to the airport. Nobody was there. Oops. <laughs> but, wrong province. Wrong province, yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, this is in uh, St. John's, uh, New Brunswick. St. Okay. John, New Brunswick. I keep getting that wrong. But, uh, yeah, so that one is uh, really interesting. Like, there's an old house, and uh, we are uh, going to keep the old house, and it's a two and a half acre land. So we're going to, you know, add the uh, new buildings right now. We're thinking uh, probably two new apartment buildings and a couple of townhouses in the front, wow. uh, but that can change. Like th- that's, that's what I like about land development is yeah. it's, uh, it's literally in the ocean. There's no signs. There are no roads. There are no, you know, nobody's telling you which direction is the right direction. <laughs> so no nope. uh, million ways to do something. So, that's the one, but the most interesting one that I'm working on is the land assembly in Calgary. Um, people who follow me on Facebook, they they might have seen that, and that really is an example of creating opportunity. And we saw two houses on the market, and then we started looking at the neighbors, started knocking on the doors, and next thing we know, long story short, we've got all four under contract and oh. we're able to <laughs> it, and uh, we are actually aiming for high-rise building. So the plan is to get their approvals and then flip that to a larger developer or builder to build it. So to your point, creating those opportunities when it seems like there are no opportunities.
1: No, I love it. And this is a great strategy. Some people think, well, it does require money for what you, you're doing, but it doesn't require as many millions, let's just say, yeah. than actually building it. And you're creating value by... Kind of flipping the paper or the plans, the permits. Exactly. You've done all the legwork and now a, a developer or someone can go in, and that's another specialty. And now we'll take a quick break from our podcast to hear from one of our sponsors.
3: Hi, I'm Dalia, founder of Streetwise Mortgages, and in today's episode, I would like to share with you some of the challenges and, in some cases, pain some clients are experiencing right now due to the fast pace of rate increases, tougher mortgage qualifications, and softening valuations. Most importantly, I would like to share with you solutions. Here are some of the things myself and my team are currently observing. Today, we will talk about the erosion of cash flow on properties with adjustable rate mortgages, especially on properties where cash flow was thin to start with. I am not going to say hey, let's get over the rate increases, we are still in a low rate environment. And I am not going to say that real estate goes through cycles, inflation is high, and we should all have predicted increases at this pace. What I will say is that these challenges are real. The pains are there for some clients. And Stephen hawken says, intelligence is the ability to adapt to change. So let's talk about how we can adapt and what are some of the solutions that are available to you if you are experiencing cash flow pressures. Number one, restructuring your mortgage to reduce your monthly payment. You will say, Dahlia, how is it possible that I can get a lower monthly payment if the rates have gone up? Well, let me explain. It's not all about the rates. Let's say that you have an adjustable rate mortgage at $500,000 at prime minus 50 at a 30-year amortization. As it currently stands, your monthly payment would be at around $2,653.00. If you convert this mortgage to a home equity line of credit at prime plus half, which would be at 5.95 right now, the monthly payment would be $2,479. That is $179 less. If you take this route, you won't be paying down the principal on the mortgage every month, but you have the option to top up the payment if you want. And you can also convert this line of credit back to a mortgage and pay down principal at some point down the road when your situation is better, when your rents are up or when you have additional income that can support a higher payment. The same idea is achievable by switching the mortgage to a lender that offers a 40-year amortization. And yes, they do exist. There are lenders that offer a 40-year amortization, but they will charge higher interest rates. And as a result of the extended amortization, your monthly payment will still still be less. Now, I do not suggest these strategies unless there are no other solutions to dealing with the cash flow pressures because while your payment every month is lower, your cost of borrowing is going to be higher as a result of taking on a higher interest rate or an extended amortization. Having said that, we can always revisit where you are with your budget, your your finances, at some point down the road and help you restructure again. But at least for now, it will help you ride the wave. Another solution to consider is to clear capacity somewhere else in your balance sheet, uh, where we can absorb the increase in monthly mortgage payments. So let's say you have an RSP or a car loan that is costing you every month out of your own pocket, $1,200. And let's say you have multiple rentals, and some of them are in a negative cash flow position right now, and they're costing you $600 a month to carry. If you can find solutions through adding rental income to the property to uh, help the numbers, great. But if you can't, and we want to keep this property, what we can do is we can extract equity from any property okay, to pay off the car loan or the RSP loan or both or some other expensive debt on your balance sheet so that your monthly payments on these loans are reduced dramatically from the $1,200 per month to something much smaller. And this will ease up some of that cash flow pressure on your rental portfolio. If you are experiencing pressure on your cash flow right now and you would like to explore options to ease up that pressure, reach out to myself and my team at info at streetwisemortgages.com and we would be happy to guide you and help you ride this way. I will leave you with this quote from Max McCowan which says All failure is failure to adapt. All success is successful adaptation. Myself and my team are here to help you adapt to this new environment that you're in and help you prosper.
1: And now back to the podcast. Do you build some of your projects or you only do the, the design and the assembly part or?
2: I've built before. So my first project was, uh, was basically a raised bungalow, single family in, in Alberta where I used to live uh, that was in 2017. So, uh, you know, after a couple of years of researching and whatnot, I, uh, decided to pull the trigger, take a leap of faith and bought a piece of land. And became a general contractor to build <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> <laughs> on paper it was for myself uh but uh, yeah learned how to apply for construction loan and you know hire contractors and subcontractors and whatnot so i built that one and that was also where i uh kind of implemented some of these energy efficiency and i tried out uh some of the features uh so yeah the, the plan is to build some of them the the one in new brunswick uh specifically the plan is to build it uh the one in calgary it's too large uh yeah 20 plus stories that's you
1: know oh wow okay that's a specialty all its own
2: <laughs> exactly uh but no the plan is to uh buy the land develop and uh, build multifamily. uh that's my ultimate goal
1: i love it and that's that's kind of what I'm hoping to do, but not in Canada. I want to do it down South. I've been looking for a specific, specific type of property that doesn't seem to exist in certain countries. So I'm like, well, maybe I should build it, create the opportunity. So this is amazing. And
2: yeah, south, definitely it's, uh, probably a little bit easier in terms of, you know, financing and the numbers might work a little bit better. Um, probably a lot better.
1: Yeah, the numbers will work better. Financing, I'd say, is the opposite, though. You have to build it all cash. There's usually virtually no... It's not in the US. It's in, like, Caribbean or Central America. So there's very little financing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Private lenders. Canada as well. I mean, oftentimes when you're doing development, you have to go kind of private sometimes to secure deals or things. It depends, I mean, on what you're doing, but... What's the sweet spot you would say, Ali, like what's a decent size of building? Cause you mentioned 20 stories That's someone else's specialty, like you can get the design, yeah. uh, permits and stuff, but you won't build it. What on average do you build? Like what's
2: yeah. What I'm looking for right now is something that can be built wood frame as we call it, like less than 60 story. Okay. Uh, and I think, uh, some, somewhere between like, you know, 25 to 40 units. I think that's a decent size that you will get a large enough contractor to work with. Uh, yeah. you, you're not working with mom and pop shop. No, at that with,
1: size, no. <laughs>
2: and with, with my background of working like industrial projects of like, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars doing some project management on those ones. Um, it I find it easier for me to work with that size of contractors. You know, when you're working with a uh, Uh, with an organization rather than just like a person. Um, That's what I'm aiming for. And uh, again, like using my background. And this comes back to what I was saying earlier. Like you got to look at uh, the transferable skills you have from here and bring that and kind of marry that into real estate. And that's where I found that, okay, that size of project with what the cost is going to be, it's going to be roughly the same size of projects that I've worked on. Uh, you know, uh, in my career, so uh, that's basically what I'm looking for. It also grants, uh, you know, hiring people like hiring a general contractor, hiring a you know quality control person. So you get the economy of a scale. Yeah. Uh, whereas if you're just building a single-family home, you pretty much have to be the general contractor yourself. Yeah. Make that profitable, if at all. You still need the economy <laughs> of a scale, and I've learned that from you know the previous builds. <laughs> You know, it's hard to make money on those, uh, if you, if you don't build like, you know, five or six a year, at least, uh, to have that, you know, the nice the, the volume and the economy of the scale.
1: No, I love it. I used to work for a, um, a company in Ottawa, they built high end, higher end rental apartments, and it was very smart. What they did is they would build a place and by the time it was finished, I'm sure that's something that happens to you. It was worth a lot more Mm -hmm. than what it was, what they borrowed. So it was the burst strategy on 300 unit buildings. So, and then they were able to take that money, build building number two and then five and eight, and it was just exponential and very smart. They started with one with a private lender. Uh, and then it just became enormous, like the one project they sold was the largest real estate transaction in all of Canada at that time. Mm. So it was almost a billion dollars, uh, with just a few buildings (laughs) and they did the birth strategy and they did, like you said, like started not small, like for them, the towers were probably 200, 300 units, but that's what they were used to building. And Mm. it makes sense. Like find what skills you have and what can you do? So, that, that's obviously not something I want to do. That's way too much work. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer much smaller and f- spending time, like with the landscaping or other things because of my background. So, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm curious, Ali, about the sustainable aspect and even it's, it's in your name, Eco Ecolux Developments. So that's luxury, right. I guess, ecology or yeah, ecological. Yeah. Or...
2: Exactly. Yeah. Eco-friendly kind of. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that uh, that was an idea that I had when I was getting into development. 2017, I coined this name after like, you know, kind of, what should I call this business? Initially, initially, it was like ecolux Homes, uh, but then I was like, okay, I don't want to just be a home builder. I want to be a developer, so I yeah, the last part. Uh, but also getting into home building, being an engineer, and I worked on sustainability and energy efficiency a little bit in the school and, and my work um so then i wanted to build something that was above and beyond what just the code asks for okay you know, having the quality and uh, luxury not luxury in the sense of you know uh those you know fancy, messy, fancy but basically uh a nice place for people to live uh, you okay. know not building like the cheapest you can build in yeah. the world. You know? so just having like we, we all know how that works like, you know who you attract as your tenants and whatnot and, uh, things. <laughs>
1: exactly,
2: and uh, so I wanted to build in uh, some energy efficiency, and that was something I had noticed also, uh, maybe with the with the family home. Like summers were too hot, like winters were too cold. We're like, yeah. okay, how can we improve on this? And my 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 background is in mechanical engineering, so you know I knew a little bit about you know the the systems, the mechanical systems, HVACs, and whatnot. So I was like, that's probably an area that I can. Uh, you know, have a competitive edge and bring something, you know, to this home building as, uh, you know, like there are lots of people that are building homes, but they may not have these features. So I started researching into what features we can do. Um, Also, you know, I'm just against wasting, like wasting anything, wasting your time, wasting resources, wasting the planet, wasting the, you know, the, the resources that we have.
1: And that's um, a huge opportunity. A lot of people ask, where's an opportunity reducing waste. Exactly. That's enormous waste of energy time. Like you've mentioned a few there, exactly. but I love that when somebody seizes that opportunity and reduces waste. Um, exactly. And like you mentioned
2: can... eat, and that's all that's all about, right? Like reducing waste. And yeah. so, yeah, I wanted to bring the, the energy efficiency as uh, as a form of sustainability to this stuff that we do. Um, and uh, I implemented or tried some of those like, um, you know, passive solar design, drain water heat recovery, insulating under the basement slab, and uh, some features like that to improve uh, energy efficiency in the home. Um, I went I've to... Get my, it, yeah, and then I went to, uh, actually went, again, beginning of COVID, and I had a lot of time. I went and I did the Net Zero home builder certification. Um, so that's the goal to build net zero homes. And my ultimate goal is to build a net zero apartment building.
1: Ooh, so nice.
2: Anybody wants to help out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the challenge. Yeah, exactly. Um, I recently found out that a company has done that in Alberta. They are building uh, I think wow. a multifamily net zero, like apartment building. Uh, so it's great to know that it's not a theory anymore. It's actually a reality. Doable. It's doable for sure. And so that's the ultimate goal.
1: And that's a harsh climate, Alberta. I mean, there's crazy swings. I yeah. was there in January one day, it's 20 degrees. Then it's minus 30, at like yeah. <laughs> 50 degrees in two days, basically. Definitely. Uh, so yeah. Can you walk us through what is net zero? Cause some people don't know what it yeah. is. And what it represents.
2: Yeah. So when I say net zero, I'm talking about net zero energy. There are different concepts. There's net zero carbon, uh, a lot more complicated. There's net zero embedded carbon, even more complicated, but the more achievable one, and it's the name of a program called net zero in Canada. It's a net zero energy. That means the amount of energy that the house produces over the duration of the year is equivalent to the amount of energy that it consumes. Wow! So it starts with you know higher insulation, uh, higher efficiency in the uh, you know in your appliances and your equipment uh, to lower the energy consumption. At the same time, you will have on-site generation, typically through uh, solar panels. So you need to reduce your energy consumption to a level that you can produce it on-site. So okay. in the winter on the shorter days you're buying power and in the summer you're selling power to the grid, but the net That's will nice. be zero uh, at the end of the
1: year. Wow, quite quite a challenge, I guess. When you uh, pick the lot as well, you have to be careful, like sun sunlight and stuff. Especially if you're in a more urban area, then there's buildings shading exactly. you and stuff. So, lots yeah, of
2: achieving net zero may not happen on every bill. Yeah, Uh, but even if you're so there's a there's a certification for net zero and then there's certification for net zero ready net zero ready you've built everything to net zero specs except you don't have the online uh, on site generation or Mm -hmm. your on site generation does not cover the entire process, but those houses are on average 70% less consumption than a code-built
1: home. That's already huge.
2: That's already huge for your, you know, utility costs and energy consumption. And, you know, just uh, saving the planet for sure.
1: And a great rental feature. I mean, if your tenants pay their own utilities and they hear about that, they're like, wow, okay, well, it's going to be quite cheap to run this place. While some older places cost hundreds of dollars during winter to heat and maintain there's all kinds of inefficiencies so
2: absolutely and net zero is net zero homes are also just more comfortable there is uh you know there's thermal or temperature difference in different locations because they're very airtight they're less noisy because they're airtight there's there's a lot to it Uh, and uh, actually a lot of builders are making net zero their standard build and the new building code um that's coming out it's going to have uh, basically tiers and the okay. top tier is basically net zero. And uh, the idea is uh, slowly everybody will have to be moved to the higher tiers. And eventually, I believe by 2050, I think, or 2035, the goal is everything will be net zero construction net, or net zero ready, basically, I should say.
1: But it makes so much sense because absolutely, I, if you look at the construction here in Canada, a lot of the houses are built, well, the older ones, especially uh, for to Florida standards. So the windows yeah. are like <laughs> super thin, two layers. Yeah. If like I'm really close to a window, I had them replaced, replace, thankfully. But the wall gets cold. I mean, it's just yeah. bad, bad design. And it's just cheap. It was a builder in the 80s. He's like, yeah, I'm going to build 4,000 homes and cheap, cheap, cheap. And yeah, that's yeah. the end result. And now it's expensive to heat expensive to maintain and environmentally it's really bad as well. So absolutely. this is great to hear that developers like yourself are changing things in the future as well and in the
2: present. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm glad to see that there's more support from governments in the codes. And um as you mentioned this that the new CMHC MLI select program, yeah energy efficiency and uh, GHG emissions as an incentive that was huge. That is such a game changer. And I was uh, so happy to see that because we didn't have uh, green mortgages per se in Canada. Nope. Uh, so this is the, as far as I know, the first green mortgage where you are incentivized to build more green and it applies to multifamily. And that's really one of the drivers behind my idea of, you know, building, uh, a net zero apartment building or energy efficient apartment building because now you have the incentives as well
1: yeah no and it makes sense and creating more multifamily again is also being efficient because all these single homes especially alberta is quite bad for single homes <laughs> oh my goodness calgary is an ocean of single family homes they are densific there's more densification yeah. but still it's a massive city uh it's it's insane that, that's what
2: we're doing with this land assembly there are basically four single family one of them is a fourplex but now that's going to be replaced with a tower and so densification better utilization of the resources and less uh, urban sprawl which yeah, you know that that's kind of uh, you know not very efficient in terms of use of resources that that's for sure and that's the other thing about developments and the reason I like developments is because you're being part of the solution. Yeah. You know, there's a housing Actives. crisis and uh being being a developer, you know, it used to be that developers were hated on as like, you know, <laughs> they're, they're like, you know, greedy or whatever, but now everybody see the value. Like without the developers, you know, there won't be enough supply of housing and no. the housing prices will never go away. So um, it really, you know, feels good to be part of the solution. We always build some, um, you know, affordability factors into that, being, you know, trying to be a good citizen. And just the fact of like supplying more housing to the market is what is that's needed. And also in terms of a strategy, you want to be doing uh, or building what is needed. Yes. uh, There is a lot of, uh, you know, talk about that. And uh, I think everybody is aware that, We just need more houses and building single-family homes, as you said, they're not efficient. Not from energy, not from resources perspective, not from, you know, cost perspective. So I think multifamily is the way of the future. And uh, that's why I focus on developing multifamily. And uh, hopefully I can grow in that business. Still, you know, learning every day. Uh, But, uh, you know, looking forward to what the future brings.
1: No, I love it. And... I like the, the shift to more multifamily and I, I've been reading about Toronto as well. Their new development um, kind of forces builders now to include family sized apartments because it's great to go multifamily, and it, but they're mostly two bedroom apartments. Exactly. But if you have kids and stuff, it doesn't work. And maybe you want to live in an apartment building, but you have two kids. Well, now you need three bedrooms, maybe four bedrooms. Uh, so I'm seeing more and more of that. <clears throat> Is that something you plan on doing as well in the future? Maybe some larger suites or something different. That for sure. The market
2: yeah, we always have. look at like, you know what the area needs and what the you know the, the requirements are in the in the area. In Toronto, you're correct. They're they're as, they're basically dictating um, you know a certain number of three bedrooms, two bedrooms, one bedrooms, bachelors. Part of that is to create diversity in the community, you know, that, and also um, there's a larger conversation, but uh, previously it was like you had one area, it was all apartments and one area, it was all like houses of certain Yeah, cities.
1: very separate.
2: Very separate. There was not as much diversity and inclusion uh, from a community perspective, but now the new urban planning and the concepts that they're being put out is to be more inclusive. And yeah. have all different type of units, different sizes. So then, you know, a family and like a single person can live in the same area. Different levels of income can commingle, and uh, that has a lot of social benefits to it. But we won't get to that. That's a <laughs> that's a whole. I know that's a whole different topic.
1: But I, I love this, and I, I love the energy you have, and that I can see your passion about what you do, Ali. So. If okay. our listeners want, they want to get a hold of you, or participate, or find out more, what's the best way to get a hold of you?
2: Uh, for sure, yeah. So, um, Alina Zarian on Facebook, uh, Ecolax Developments on Instagram. Um, I also have a Facebook group called uh, Housing Developers and Builders of Canada. We do monthly meetups uh, where we bring guest speakers. is educational. It's oh. also a community of. You know some develop existing developers and those who are getting into development so um, that's another channel they can connect my website alinazerian.com and also uh equalexdevelopments.com
1: i love it thank you so much for taking thank some you. time at uh, the time of this recording it's a it's a friday afternoon end of day and it's a gorgeous yeah day. It looks- <laughs> sunny where you are
2: nice and sunny yeah and i'll let rich you rich.
1: enjoy the the weather uh, the thank last you. few weeks of summer it's crazy yeah. it's already going by so fast but it was a pleasure and we'll have to stay in touch and we connect once you've built maybe uh, a net zero building and you can tell me about the experience for sure
2: yeah thank more. you Franco, for having me and i hope your listeners uh you know take some value from this uh, conversation and uh, yeah looking forward to connecting with your audience and yourself in the future.
0: Thank you.
1: Take
2: care. Thanks very much. Bye now.
0: Bye. Hello, wine and real estate listeners. Jason Lowe here from episode number 129. Access to financing and dealing with the banks can be frustrating. We've all felt it. Every payment that you make, whether it's the mortgages, property taxes, repairs and maintenance, unplanned vacancy, every single transaction is a permanent transfer of money away from you making the wheels of the banking business and the real estate business turn. In other words, you're doing all the work and everyone else is getting all your money. Let me show you everything that I know from my 15 years of experience teaching people the process of becoming your own banker, the infinite banking concept all across Canada. All you need to do is head on over to ibc4me.com. Again, that's ibc4me.com and I will give you the blueprint to solve the problem. Again, that's ibc Whatever your real estate and wealth building goals are, I promise you the infinite banking concept is the best process to get you there. I encourage you to take the next step. Simply head on over to ibc Again, that's ibc And if you think you can't afford to do that right away, well, let me tell you, you can't afford not to discover this. I truly believe that what you'll learn will open your eyes to a whole new financial world.
1: Hey there, listeners. We hope you enjoy this latest episode of the Wine and Real Estate podcast.
3: Yes, absolutely. You can find us on Instagram. Our handle is wine underscore and underscore real estate. So Wine and Real Estate on Facebook, FL Homes Corp. And you can also find us on our YouTube channel.
1: Yes, and please make sure to give us a rating, five stars, Mm -hmm. or any comments. We'd love to hear from you, and uh, we love suggestions as well. Cheers.
3: Yeah, chin chin.